0: Almighty God, we come before You this morning thankful for the the privilege to worship You. Thankful to come before You, Lord, in in this time together so, so, God, we can lift praises to You. You are worthy. Father, thank You for that. God, I thank You for the time that we will have together. I thank You for the Word that You have given today and will give us today. And so, Father, may our minds and hearts Be receptive. Prepare us, Father, as you have already been doing to hear you. Father, help us to think about and meditate on what we read and what we hear today. Father, take us and mold us and shape us. May what we hear change the way we live, change the way we um, approach life. Father, may we do that because of what we've heard. May we do that with a gladness, and may we do that with an excitement in our lives to glorify and honor You, creating us a passion to be instruments, examples, so that Christ can be seen in us. And may You be glorified and honored. We're in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So good to see you guys this morning. Um, we are back in the book of Hebrews at least briefly uh for today um i uh I don't know as I, as I was studying and as I was reading uh we actually will be in numbers thirteen and fourteen for the biggest part of this morning and uh and there is a reason for that as uh as I begin to look at uh the simple word of unbelief the Israelites didn't go- get to go into Canaan or the, the generation that was. Uh, rescued from Egypt out of slavery didn't get to go into the promised land because of unbelief. And that unbelief we know, that rest that we'll be talking about today, um, that, that God was going to give them, uh, uh, it, it ties together with with salvation entering his rest. And so I don't know how far we'll get today, but that's where we, we're we're going to go. And I think we need to look at this this unbelieving because of, before we even get started, who believes, key word, who believes God will accomplish and is accomplishing everything he's ever said he would do? So we believe that, right? We have a belief of that. Who believes that there is promises that God made in his word for his children to be fulfilled? Did God make promises? Last question before we get into the scripture. Has God ever broken a promise? No. So with that mindset, with that, with that thinking, I want to enter into uh kind of where the Israelites were because guys, we uh we have so many things to get our minds and um and thoughts off of God, so much distraction in our lives. Um, sometimes let's let's be honest, we we want easy, right? We want we want the easy way and um one reason that God doesn't make things easy is because, and I don't know what other words to use, but easy uh, is never appreciated in what you accomplish or what you accomplish uh, isn't. I, I, this is the best way I can put it. When my kids grew up and they wanted a vehicle to drive, I told them, get you a job. Get you a job. If I give you something, you're not going to appreciate it. Now, I, I'm there to help my kids all I can, but if I give you something, you're not going to appreciate it. If you strain and, and work for it, you will appreciate it. And, and they have. And so it's kind of like that. And I'm not saying that God, you know, is, is the kind of father that, that is, is mean. He is, he is a father who is about making his children Christ-like. He is a father about making his children know and understand who he is. And that requires stretching us. That requires, uh, strain. Strain will build you. So before we go any further into that, let's go ahead and read, uh, chapter four, Hebrews, uh, starting in verse one, probably not going to get much past verse three today, if that, uh, because I want to back, back up into numbers. But listen to what God says and listen carefully. <clears throat> He's promised rest this is promised rest for God's people. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has pro- uh, prepared, this rest has been announced. Some translation says preached, has been preached, announced to us just as it was to them. But it. But uh, it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. And I meant to start with verse 19 out of chapter 3, so let's back up for a minute. So who, uh, I want to read verse 19. So we see that because of their unbelief, that's our key word for today, for their unbelief they we're not able to enter his rest, so if you will, turn over to numbers chapter thirteen, and we're going to uh gonna jump in there um and and spend most of our time today uh just a little footnote um here on, on verse one uh the idea is carried we're we're looking at what we kind of talked about in in hebrews three uh the belief of a generation that was in Egypt uh that didn't get to or rescued from Egypt. Didn't get to enter into the promised land, uh, because of their unbelief. I want to read one quote. Anybody familiar with John Owen? Anybody familiar with John Owen? This is, uh, he, he like gave five features of the rest for the believer. Um, so he was a commentator and this is, this is what he said. When he talks about this rest that Israel had the opportunity to go into with God, he said, rest means peace with God. Um, if you're not in in god's rest if you're if you're not there, if you're not in god in 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 christ uh you're you're probably not going to experience peace with God in fact, I know you're not going to experience peace with God. secondly, he says rest means freedom from- uh servile bondage, and that's like serving others or uh you can go look it up, read the dictionary uh but it's it's that bondage like a spirit and worship service to God like we do this for um i don't know self-gratification rest means deliverance from the burden of mosaic deliverance i mean excuse me yeah observance means deliverance from the burden of mosaic observance means uh, rest means the freedom of worship according to the gospel rest means the rest that god himself enjoys so Hearing God's word isn't enough. Israelites heard God's word. They, God had done numerous things that they they heard. Ancient Israel heard the word, but it did not profit them because they did not receive it with faith. Hearing them, uh, or hearing gave them the opportunity, but the opportunity only profited if it was combined with faith. So one may hear God's word and have spiritual experiences, but unless the work of God, uh, work of God is combined with faith, it will do no good. It is because this is what I'm saying. Uh, I, there's people, and and I I still haven't got this completely figured out, but I think I've I've got a good grip on it now. How um, there are people who can read God's word and give you some really good answers. It's kind of like they read God's word, but they're not obedient to it because the opportunity to to read God's word isn't come alive in them, so all they have is some literature. It's not alive. It's not breathing. So the opportunity that that it was given through the Word of God to be changed and be different hadn't happened because it isn't combined with faith. They're not trusting what the Word of God says. I put this little note down and write it down or take it for what it's worth. Um, Biblical believing causes movement. Biblical believing causes movement. When we believe the Word of God and we trust what the Word of God says, you're not sitting still. You're going to move. You're going to be... The belief that the Bible speaks of, the belief in Christ, will cause movement. Uh, It's one thing to believe that there's a God and sit still and do absolutely nothing and your life just fade away. But a belief in Christ, believing who He says He is, believing what God did through His Son, This belief will cause movement. When this belief enters the mind and heart of the one that God has redeemed, you cannot and He will not allow you to sit still. It's gonna, it's gonna mean movement. So biblical believing causes movement. You resist fear. You step out into what God says to do. So I want to go to the background for this passage. Uh, the story of those who didn't have faith and didn't enter God's rest is found in uh, in Numbers thirteen and fourteen. Uh, as we go through this, you guys are probably very familiar with this, but it's got some good lessons to be taught. And uh, and every time I have read this passage of scripture, thoughts come to mind. And one of them I'll share with you and don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I'm going to surely be talking about the belief that enters into salvation, the belief that uh causes us to enter into God's rest. But also the belief, uh, any Christians, do you believe this? And shout out, no, if you don't. Is there ever a time you believe a Christian deals with or um has unbelief? They just don't trust God? Can you I guess, can you actually believe, like I said, believe in Christ. And yet, not believe something he said or something he's done. Is that possible? Do the Christian ever deal with unbelief? Yeah. Doubt. Right. Well, that, you know, if you doubt, you're not believing what he's saying. Right. So, there, there is the possibility. You know, I, I want us to know when I'm talking about when God says something and, and I get this every time. If you, uh, if you want about 1,500 different answers, ask someone what God is doing in your life at this moment, and it'll be like, because they're just scared to say. It's like they're, they're scared to say, not sure, but I know he's doing something. Well, how do we know he's doing something? Because I'm seeking, because I'm searching. I use this term that God is stirring something in me. It's just, I don't know, and I don't want to use the word feeling because that word doesn't do it justice. But if you've ever been moved by God and God is moving in you, I can't describe it, English language, don't do it justice, but but there is something about you get to this place where you know God is uh, igniting a fire. He's doing something with you, in you, and he's fixing to take you somewhere and fixing to do something with you. Uh, it's only happened twice in my life. And both times, one time, I was completely hard-headed and took about eight or nine months to move into what God was saying to do and that eight or nine months was just miserable because God said, "If you trust me, if you believe me, you'll get up and move and not sit on your hind side it's 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 something that's in you the, the other Didn't take quite as long. And I'm hoping if there's a third and there will be a third and a fourth, if God spares my life, uh, there will be those times. But I'm, I'm hoping the next time I get the get up and move, did I go? Did I do? Here's what, here's why we can believe God will show you something that he is doing that he has already been there. Who, Who believes that God prepares your way? That he he prepares everything that you're going to do day by day, month by month. God is in control of all that. He is leading and He is preparing the way. He takes His children on a journey and He's already been there into what we're walking into. So if God says, I am, if fill in the blank. If God says to you, I am, meaning He's doing, And if he uses a word like giving, sending, he is already done and prepared. And so it is a done deal. It's a done deal. It doesn't give the option, well, God, are you, you know, for us to, God, are you sure about this? What did I just say? What did I just say? But God, I'm not sure. You don't have to be sure. In fact, you probably are going to get more unsure as we go into this, but that's the reason I am God and you are not, and you trust me. You trust me. You go where I lead. You go where I lead. And the reason I want to handle that just for a second is because this was the problem with the Israelites, this first generation or the generation that came out of uh, Egypt. This was their problem. We're going to read about probably 25 to 30 more scriptures after I make the statement, and it could have been settled right here in verse 2 of chapter 13. Let's read chapter 13 starting in verse 1, uh, the matter of factness that God lays out. And here we go. The Lord now said, when the Lord says, he spoke. When God speaks, you listen. So the Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Uh, yeah, the land of Canaan. The land that I'm going to attempt to give? What does it say? Let's read this together. Send them out the the land I what? Let's read this together. I am giving to the Israelites. Go explore. This exploring wasn't. I don't think God intended. I, you know, as I've read this several times, I don't think God was telling Moses to send them out so he can see what the land looked like so it was a possibility he could move his people into this land. No. God's saying, I'm sending you into the promised land. That's what I'm going to do. Humans just so mess stuff up, don't they? Oh, man. We don't listen. We don't pay attention. So he's sending these folks into this land. He says, in the land, I am giving to the Israelites. And I just so for peace of mind, I went and looked up, because I'm in the NLT today. Uh, I want to give you uh, two more translations from the ESV and one from the NASB. Guess what it says. It doesn't change a bit, really. Listen to what the ESV says, which I am giving you. That's what the ESV says. Okay, so that's two translations that God is saying, I'm giving you NASB, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Going to give. That is matter of fact. That is going to happen. So let's get into what took place. He said, send one one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. There you go, Moses. You following what God said. I'm not going to go through all these names, be my guest, go home and read all those. They're awesome. I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Moses gave the men uh, these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land looks like. Now here's his instructions. See what the land looks like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls are they or are, are they unprotected L- uh, like open camps Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back some samples of the crops. I'll tell you something when I read this next section and I see what that land was growing, and when you got to take a a a, a Bunch of grapes, and the, you got to have two guys hang them on a pole and tote some grapes. I want a farm there. Amen? This land wasn't just like any kind of land. This land was like, hey, let's go. This was amazing. So he goes, he sends, they look, and they, they bring back some samples. They bring back some things. So here's the scouting report. After exploring the uh, the land for 40 days, and the men, uh, yeah, for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. God didn't lie. He said it would be. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Okay, so the, can you picture this? The whole community is gathered around. Two guys hold this pole up with a bunch of grapes that's probably dragging the ground. Here's what this, this land pr- produces. Here's, here's what's happened. By the way, before I go into this next verse, where does fear come from? Who's the instigator and the giver of fear? You can say it. There you go. Which his name is Satan. Look what happens. Look, Look what happens instantly. But the people living there, they begin to describe this. Here comes fear. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. I get a picture of Peter taking his eyes off Jesus when I read this. You begin to look at the people. You begin to look at the land. You're not paying attention to God who's back just a few verses ago said, I am giving to you. I am giving to you. Kind of like saying, "Uh, guys, those large powerful people with those large fortified walls. I got that. I'm going to deal with that. I'll handle that. I'm giving you this land. We even saw giants. There were they, uh, They're Uh, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and Termites. I don't know. It's just all the rites live there in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley, Jordan Valley. But Caleb, thank you, Caleb. But Caleb tried to quiet the people and say, uh, as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We certainly, we can certainly conquer it. There's a guy. Caleb was the guy that believed what God said when God said, I'm giving you. He listened to God. He listened to God. So he tried to quiet him. But he goes on, he says, But the other men, the other ten, sent so out twelve, ten came back doubting. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone, uh, anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants. They're uh, they're the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So the people rebel. Verse 14 and uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in great, uh, a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness, you're going to get your chance. They complained, Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle now i want to see a i see a contradiction god never said i'm taking you to that country to kill you he said i'm giving you this country i'm giving this to you now we're we got a bunch of people sitting around crying and moaning and and whining and carrying on in protest of what god said would happen we don't want to do it and so we're just going to sit here and moan and groan over it all, our wives and our little ones here we go with excuses, our wives and our little ones would be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? really? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. That's what you do when you get in a, in a tight spot in your walk with God. You just change the leader and it affects everything. That's all you need to do. Just change the leader. Someone who will not lead you. Isn't that what uh, rebellious nations cry out for? What does what uh, Second Timothy, what it says? You know, they want itching ears. They want something to tickle their itching ear. You just get another leader. A weak leader is what we want, God. We want someone who won't try to take us to the place that you're telling us to go. So let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of, I cannot pronounce his daddy's name, um, Jep, we're going to call him Jep, tore their clothes. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he, he, will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Here we go. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is with us. He's giving this to us. So do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Those sometimes are sweet words to mumber. Mumble, mumber. Where did I get that from? Mumble. But without faith. If I, if I say that God is with me and I don't believe it, I don't trust it, if there is no faith combined with what I'm saying, there are nothing more than words. They're nothing more than words. That's it. The Word of God will only be dry literature to those who read it and refuse to have faith and put foot to what God is saying. Don't raise your hands, but I want you to think about this for a minute. Have you ever been reading passages of Scripture and it, it was like, uh, I've heard terms that it just jumped off the page. It really ignited you and, and you, you seen, you understood and, and you took it and lived in obedience to it and watched God work in what he has told you to do and moved in what you're doing because it's of him. Um, that's a, that's a, a, only a, a, a God amazing thing that happens with us when we are obedient and we have faith. So here we go. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites. This get this is where it gets serious. God's done showed up. He's a little sick and tired of hearing the complaining. Me and Jeremy was talking about this before service this morning. Um, can you imagine? when god says i've had enough i'm done i've had enough let me tell you something folks it's a very serious thing if god ever says i've had enough and he takes his hand off of you you talk about all hell breaking loose that's that's when that happens so they go on they they want this new leader they you know they're whining they're crying they're you know, fretting or or whatever. It's just a messy, messy mess. But God shows up to the Israelites at the tabernacle and the Lord said to Moses, and here we go. I'm going to use, try to use my best God voice, okay? Because I, I, I think it was just booming. He was like, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? even after all the miraculous signs they that I have done among them. So verse 12 gets serious. I will disown them and destroy them with a the plague, and then I will make you unto, into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Now, verse 13 starts where Moses intercedes. You can go read that. I'm not reading all that because you can preach about eight sermons and. In that, but Moses Moses does intercede, and he's, it basically says this: He's like, God, don't don't just kill them. You know, imagine what the Egyptians would say if you just f- killed them. You know, it just it just wouldn't look right. It wouldn't look good. And so, God, you know, I, I I'm just praying that you don't do that. So, listen to what God says on down in verse twenty. Then the Lord said, but I don't want you to miss this because I've heard this section that we just. Kind of paraphrase. I would see, man can change God's mind, really? You got to go to verse 20. Then the Lord said, <clears throat> I will pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live, and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of them, not one of these people, Will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed, both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those. Who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant, Caleb, has a different attitude than the others have. <clears throat> he has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land and he explored. His descendants will be, uh, will possess their, uh, their full share of that land. Now turn around and don't go towards the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. So he's going to punish them. Now, I'm going to paraphrase just a few minutes or just a a few here. So what the Israelites do is after this is said, after God has said, you're going to die in this this desert, You're you're not going to the promised land. Because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, I have been here. I have shown you. I have told you. I have worked with you. You've seen me do miraculous things. I mean, we talked about one. Look, look here. Uh, you know, I fed you. You stayed alive. Uh, you're whining about your living conditions, you know, but, but you're here. I, I've done everything I know to do and you're still not believing. You're not trusting. You're not following. You have, uh, pushed away. You have backed out. You want something. You even want want Egypt back. The very place I saved you from, you want Egypt back. You want to go back there rather than listen to me. And I've already given it to you. So he goes on and and he kind of lays out what's going to happen. And we start back in verse 29 of chapter 14. He says, you will all drop dead in this wilderness. Explanation point. So you got to read that like this. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because, here's the reason, you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter, enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. They're going to be the only, only exceptions. Because your men explored the land, uh, because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a, a year for each day. Suffering the consequences of your sins. To rebel against God is a sin. Let me say that again. I know we read a lot of scripture just to get it right, but to rebel against God is a sin. The reason you're staying in the wilderness, the reason you're gonna die in the in the wilderness in the desert, the reason you're going to do is because of your sins. You you didn't you didn't take what i offered you didn't take what i tried to give you then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy i the lord has spoken i will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has uh conspired against me they will be destroyed in the wilderness and here they will die So the ten men Moses, listen to this, he got started, God got started right away. The ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited the rebellion against the Lord with their bad report were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the twelve who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. When Moses reported the Lord's words to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Then they got up the next morning and went to the top of the range of the hills. <clears throat> Let me just explain the rest of it this way. They want to go now. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We want to go now. Oh, you want to go now. You want to go now. So you'll know that when God speaks, He says what He means, He means what He says, it's going to do you no good. What did I declare? God said, I declare that you will die in the wilderness. That's what's going to happen. But we'll go now, God. We'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you don't play with God. That's the reason we need to understand how serious our sins are. We need to understand why repentance needs to happen. We, we need to know what turning from our sins and going towards God looks like and is like, what it's like to hate our sin. We need, we need to understand that because if we have the attitude or the thinking that God is okay, and I have no idea why this is coming out of my mouth right now, but I'll just tell you this. This wasn't in the notes. If we think That we can live life and claim to love God and not do what God tells us to do and not follow his instruction, we are sorely mistaken, horribly mistaken. When God says to do something, He means to do He means for us to do it. And I think the most horrible words you'll ever hear, or anyone could ever hear, is God said, You're against me. You're against me that should That should frighten us it's not only doing what God says, it's loving God before anything else. These guys went up to this range and they got chased back. God says it's not going to work you you hey, this generation, you are going to die. you are going to die period. Now, I know maybe someone may ask, so so God gives up on you. Uh, yeah, hey, <laughs> God is God. Did he ever have you in the first place would be my question. Did you ever submit to him in the first place? Did you ever hear him talking to you in the first place? Did God give you an opportunity? Did you push back? Did you reject it? And now you're saying, God, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it don't work that way. This Thought come to my mind concerning salvation, because when we enter salvation, we enter God's rest. We, uh, you know, and I know, if God has saved you, things are different. Amen. You look at things differently. You view things differently. If you are, if you've been saved through Christ, you you probably have experienced strength you never knew that you could have, right? Because of Christ in you, you've entered into, and there's going to be millions of people and I don't want to get sidetracked here, there's going to be millions of people who will never enter the promise of God that has come through the blood of Jesus Christ because, because of unbelief. We could get into, I'm going to go ahead and just maybe crack this can of worms. I don't want to get all the way into it, but just crack it open a little bit. Um, We we can get into all kinds of, Things that that you know are our, our salvation and, and what happens, but we have a a generation or generations of people in our nation who do this to God. This very thing, you know. Remember when 9/11 come around? Anybody remember that? Um, of course, churches loved it because churches filled up and they got to fill out some really hefty reports. Churches were full, right? Churches were full. You let a disaster help. And, or happen, help. Sometimes disasters do help. But you let disasters happen, happen, and you see people fall before God, you see people cry out to God. It's the same principle. It should sicken us. Like, oh, 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 so we're going to die in the desert. Well, God, we're ready to go now. And God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. To hear the word of God and not have faith. To walk in it is useless. It takes hearing the word of God combined with faith to follow it, and only God can give you that. So they go up to this hill. They chase them back. He said, "You're not going up there." He, 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 he I think Moses, Moses I think warned them. It was, "You'll only be crushed." And I'm going to read this last little thing here. Remember when I say this, that the Israelites, God had rescued them from Egypt out of slavery. He had done numerous miracles. He had spoken to them time and time and time again. He had told them to follow them. But at the end of it all, when when He said the enemies will crush you, this is the passage of Scripture. Do not go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies. Because the Lord is not with you. The Lord is not with you. And if the Lord ain't with you it's bad. It's death. Read just one more little sentence and we'll pick up in Hebrews four next week. Read guys, I I know this this can um this can come across very harsh, but, but I think it's one of the most loving. I mean, really, you know, the loving thing God can do is, is, is promise you, take you in, draw you to himself, love you, and he asks from us to be obedient. To be obedient. To have faith. To trust. And our circumstances will, uh, tends to, to, kind of knock us off guard again i get the visual of peter on the water with jesus he was he was living a miraculous life for like 30.2 seconds don't quote me on that that's not in the bible okay i made that up but he was he was like walking on water for a little bit he takes his eyes off of jesus and what happens he goes down listen to god listen to what he's saying Listen and pay attention to what he's doing. There's so many people that today is probably sitting at home. They didn't go anywhere to worship this morning. I'll get my worship done at home, okay? Hey, can you? Sure. But what does God commands? He commands things like you need to be in a flock. You need to be, you know, Worshiping together, and, and we, we kind of take that and we, we loosely serve God, and, and people that believe and trust that is the same kind of people who they hear the Word of God, but they don't have faith to follow it. And what happens? You die. You die. Belief in God will carry you through. Unbelief leads to death. It leads to death. So let's read this other little paragraph here it's from gotquestions.org and a little commentary I just wanted to share with you before we close. The concept of entering to God's rest comes from Hebrews 3 and 4, of course. What is it? What is this rest that he's talking about? And the Hebrews writer is talking about. What is the Hebrew writer talking about? How do we enter? Into that rest. How do we fail to enter into that rest? The writer Hebrews begins to, uh, begins the discussion of God's rest in chapter three and where he references the Israelites, we just got to talking about, wandering in the desert. He said, I am giving the land of Canaan to them. And God had promised them this. He would go before them. Listen, we, do we have Deuteronomy uh, 12? God had promised them this, okay? Listen, He had promised them that. Uh they would go into this. So let's read this. Because you have not arrived at the place of rest, the land, uh the land, the Lord, your God is. We don't have to wonder what the definition of is is there, do we? Is means is, is means going to. So the, the Lord is giving you as your special possession. But, but, you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you when he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land. Think about it. God, this was a, this was done. This was finished. It happened. He had already prepared. He had already went before. He already had it set up. He already had it done. What a spit in God's face. They refused him. The particular rest referred to here was the uh, was the, the land of Canaan. Into the rest God solemnly solemnly said the Israelites who disobeyed him would never enter it. So guys we'll stop right there until next week, but I want I want to share this with you and uh, like I said just a minute ago, I, I know this can sound harsh. God isn't someone to be toyed with. He's holy. He's righteous. He's majestic. He is God. He even said, I am the I am. He is God. There's no one like Him. There's no one above Him. There's nowhere, no one even close to who God is. And when God calls, when God calls, we should listen. We should listen. Every time I read this about the Israelites, I'm thinking, I don't know how many, I don't know how many people were actually there, but like other than Joshua or Caleb, wasn't there anyone else? To say, we need to rethink this. Wasn't there anyone else? But the Bible doesn't say that. Joshua and Caleb believed what God said. The other ten did not. Kind of gives you a picture of the world, right? There's gonna be why does why does the Bible say that there are few on the narrow road and there are many on the road to destruction? Why? Those folks ain't listening. They ain't hearing. It's a tragic thing to be abandoned by the holy God. So my encouragement was, did I leave y'all all encouraged today or just pretty depressing? Um, y'all not gonna go out and start smoking and drinking and shooting things, are you? Are y'all with me? <clears throat> we need to understand. Because if you belong to God, you are, you are walking with Him. And guys, this is the part I was talking about, the believing. Don't, even, even in our relationship with Christ, I think it is possible that we can, Ms. Kelly, we we can doubt, uh, we can, uh, we can, you know. Sometimes we listen to things we shouldn't be listening to. That's why the child of God. When I've always said, should we? Do we have need to repent? Oh Yes, we do, because we we buy into things we we. You know, we we believe some stuff that's not true, so we need to live with a heart of repentance, but we need to recognize when God calls, when God says, when God says, move, you move. When God says, go, you go. And And the nugget I want to leave with you today is this. If God is leading and telling and moving you, He has already prepared your next step. He's already prepared it. Let me leave you with that encouragement. God is walking ahead of you ahead of you. Discouragement? We can stand in a pulpit and say, don't be discouraged. How can we say not be discouraged? Because God's already walking with you. God's already been there. God promises to take care of you. God promises to watch out over you. And and true, I know our circumstances, but see, that's the problem. That's the waves that we tend to look at instead of... Keeping our eyes on Christ, we continue to look at our circumstances, you're gonna things like doubt, things like uh frustration and and all kinds of things are gonna happen when our eyes isn't upon God. If the Israelites would have went through the desert when he said, I'm giving this land to you, if all of them would have saddled up and say, Let's go, you know where that first gen or that generation that came out of Egypt, you know where they would have been? In the promised land. unbelief is a dangerous thing and i think even there are times when because the circumstances may look a little crazy and look a little weird there are times that even a believer can dabble with unbelief and my encouragement is and i know i took too long to explain this this morning but my encouragement is is don't buy into something that seems so overwhelming what is it that god can't take care of we sit in church on sunday morning i say that and you say amen yeah absolutely sure god can take care of anything walk out that door enter into monday morning with that same belief our life's going to be full of circumstances not a, a lot of them will be pleasant sometimes but um, God can God can take care of those things. So next we will get back into Hebrews and chapter four and probably finish that up. And uh I just want to encourage you guys, we have, if you belong to God through Jesus Christ, we have a God who is constantly leading and guiding and watching over us. Don't cling too tightly to the world. Corey Boom made this statement. She said, Hold loosely the things of this world, hold tightly to the cross of Christ. Hold tightly to Christ. Y'all ready for Monday? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're not going to a pep rally. Wow. Ready for Monday. Listen to God as you walk through this week. Father God, we thank You so much for loving us. And Father, I know that that um, always a possibility, Father, that discouragement will try to enter into our lives. <clears throat> Unbelief. What a danger. What a disaster. Father, may we be on guard. Well, may we be on guard, God, when things come because I believe the enemy works full time trying to get us to doubt, trying to get us to lose a grip of who you are, God, and trying to always call us, just like he did with Eve, Uh, he's always trying to distract us. He's always trying to draw us in a way uh, that's going to cause problems and cause issues, and, Father, he's always trying to do those things. And, God, I pray that um, we recognize those quickly. And just like Joshua and Caleb, we will believe what you say, we will trust what you say, Father. May we be faithful as we walk through this week. We pray for strength. We pray for courage, God. As we read and study Your Word, we pray that You feed us and grow us, and God in that will strengthen us as well. God, I pray we go into our to to our time of of reading Your Scriptures this week, looking for and expecting for you to nourish us and grow us. Father, I thank you and praise you for this day. I thank you and praise you for what you will do in and through us this week. God, may we glorify and honor you in our life circle where we live, with the people that you have put in front of us. And, uh, God, may, may we encourage, may we um, be evident that we have been changed by Christ. Father, for those that you may put into our life that doesn't know you, that you are drawing, may, God, may we help them see may we be used as an instrument uh, to help open their eyes to give them good solid doctrine good solid teaching good solid words father may we be an encouragement may we help them to see past distractions and to look at you father may we be uh, an impactful instrument for your glory and for your honor this week god we thank you so much for the privilege and honor to be called your child. Help us to live like that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.